I always kind of dread Youth Explosion Weekend whenever Reggie is here because so many adults try and fake their way into the Youth Explosion event on Sunday mornings. You know, they'll, they'll make up fake wristbands. You know, they'll dress like teenagers, try to sneak indoors, check them all to see if they're unlocked. Well, all the folks who have done that this morning are going to get a surprise because Reggie is here with us this weekend. So without any further ado, would you give a warm French Church welcome to Reggie Dabbs. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? You good? Y'all not ready for me, are you? It's not even 10 o'clock and you got an African-American preacher on stage and it's not even a Medea movie. I'm just saying it's live today. <laughs> Y'all good this morning? Touch your neighbor right now and say, I love my church. See, I'm going to try to keep it as normal as possible by going with your sermon series that you've been going with. So while I play my saxophone song, get your Bible and you're going to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Because you just finished chapter 3 last week. Look at me, huh? Y'all got to love me now, huh? So we're going to start with chapter 4. I'm sorry, 4. I'm trying to sound like Pastor Kevin if I can. He would never say 4. <laughs> I'd like to hear him. No, no, okay, no. I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus this morning? Everything that he's done is so that people can be free, and that's what we're talking about today. So I got a simple song for you. If you know it, you can sing along. I'm a saxophone player for those of you. How many of you first time ever hearing me is right now? Raise your hand. How y'all doing? You in trouble. All right. I hope you like my song. Here we go.
touch your neighbor right now. Oh, by the way, you got to talk to your neighbor this morning. I'm sorry. You got to black preacher. You got to be a little loud. All right. So everybody touch your neighbor and say, let's do this. Look at your other neighbor and say, oh, boy, this is not the friend's church I know. That's why I love my church. You never know what you're going to get, so you got to show up every time. You got your Bible? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. This is what the Bible says. In the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. I love this. In other words, he's commanding this. He's like telling us we got to do this, that this is our mandate. This is what it's all about. Through the course of the Bible, there have been charges. When David was 15 years old and he got ready to face Goliath and King Saul said, why are you doing this? He gave King Saul a charge. He said, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? Is there not a why in this life anymore? That's why I love my church, because we have a cause. We have a reason. We have a why and we have a cause. Is there not a reason? Yes, his name's Jesus. Is there not a cause? Yeah, because we messed up. If you don't think you messed up, you just messed up. Because you think you're better and you ain't. That's just it. Here's our charge. I love it. Preach the word. Hello, somebody told me that this morning. They said, preach the word, Reggie. What else am I going to do? That's all I got to stand on is the word, because that's what the Bible says. Hello? Everybody say, preach the word. word. Touch your neighbor and say, preach the word. Some of you are like, I don't need to preach the word. I'm 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 a secretary. Oh, yes, you do. You see, preaching the word ain't from a pulpit or behind a podium. Preaching this word is what you do every day. It's how you treat your neighbor. It's what you do for the guy down the street. My friend is a plumber. He's one of the greatest plumbers I know. It's a family-run business for the last 35 years. But his wife was the head secretary. And it came to the point to where every three to five weeks, he would get a call to the same house. And she started specifically asking for this plumber. And his wife is like, now, wait a minute. There's something going on. Who needs the same plumber every three to five weeks? So she said to the lady once she called, like, over and over again, why do you want him? She goes, ma'am, you're going to think I'm crazy. She goes, no, you're going to get crazy because that's my husband, and he's already been out there five times. And she went, oh, ma'am, no, you don't understand. And she said this, every time your husband comes and fixes something, there's a presence with him. I can't explain it. I can't put my hand on it. But when he's gone for a week or two, I got to break something so that I could get that presence back. And she said, I'm coming with him. (laughs) And while the, the husband was fixing whatever that woman broke again, she led her to Jesus Christ because he told her, My husband ain't special. It's who my husband knows that's special. Why I love my church? Because my church believes in Jesus. Oh, by the way, so as I read this, there's something you got to understand. I'm going to take a whole different spin on this I love my church. It says preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Today, I'm going to be the careful instruction. This is called Jesus 101. 
If you ever went to college, the first year in college are 100 level classes. Just bottom line, simple stuff. But you got to understand, sometimes God ain't simple. Sometimes he's very perplexed. So I'm going to try my best to help you understand the simplicity of Jesus Christ. What it is is simply this. You ready? The church is Jesus. Got it? Everybody go, "Mm mm-hmm. Okay, so if the church is Jesus, Jesus is grace. That's a good word, grace. Okay, I went to London, England, and I saw this uh, this uh, this this uh, this play. It was called Les Miseries, La Misera, La Misihu. I could never get it right. But there's one part of that whole thing. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, see, you don't know how to say it either. So there it is. All right. <laughs> Y'all think y'all all good. But there's one part. There's this dude. He's a thief. He's got been in prison, been in jail, lost everything. And he stayed with this old school preacher, a priest, right? And then he stole all of his silver. All this priest had was just one set of silver, real silver. And this dude stole it. And he got caught. And they brought him back to the priest. And the priest says, oh, hey, you forgot this. You forgot. Hey, be on your way. Oh, you want to stay tonight? Come on in. He let the kid off the hook. The kid stole what this man had. He had nothing. All he had left was this solid silver set of dishware. And this guy stole it. The cops caught him, brought him back, and he gave him the rest of it. Why? Because when the police left, he looked at him and he said, that's the second time you've been saved. It's called grace. You don't know the why, but if you're smart enough, you'll take it. So if the church is Jesus and Jesus is grace, then guess what? We have to be grace to the world. If the world's going to find hope, where are they going to find it? My church, because I love my church. If the, church, if the world's going to find the answer, where are they going to find it? My church, because I love my church. If the world needs peace just in the middle of their storm, shelter in the time of trouble, where are they going to find peace or shelter? My church, because I love my church. Because my church is Jesus and Jesus is grace. And grace changes the world. Ooh, I get a lot of head nods. Somebody could say yeah with that head nod. That'd be all right. Let's break grace down. Let me, that's all I'm going to do today. If, if you love your church and your church is grace, let me show you what grace is. Here it is. Here's the definition of grace in Reggie's mind. Grace is the voice that calls us to change and then gives us the power to do it. Grace is the voice that says you can't live like this no more. You can't keep doing this. You got to change. And then it backs up with, hey, we can help you change. We can do this. We can make it happen. Isn't it great how people can give you advice, but they're not giving you the money to go make that come true? Grace is not only the advice, but it's the money and the means to make it become a reality. This is good. I'm just, I'm just going to preach to myself because y'all, y'all, right? Y'all just didn't think a brother could come up with something this good. I know, but I'm just going to lay it down on y'all, right? Dude, here's the deal. There are so many disappointments in this world. There are so many disappointments in this life. You go to school, your friends make fun of you and other friends, and all of a sudden your friends, who you thought were your friends, have disappointed you and let you down. You go to work, your coworkers are talking behind your back. They're saying stuff you didn't do. They're blaming you for stuff that never happened. All of a sudden, you got your family. They know who you really are and that's nasty all right because they know you messed up and you're mad you can't face your family because you're disappointed for what you've done to make them angry with you you got all these disappointments where can you find peace my church 
because my church is Jesus and Jesus is grace and grace can set you free. I think somebody in the room is starting to get this. So let me go on. I decided to go to the Bible and to find out where grace really is, where grace really is. Grace, you know why grace works? Grace works because Jesus is grace. Here's how I wrote it down. I thought it was good. Here it is. Grace lives because Jesus lives. Grace works because Jesus works. Grace matters because Jesus matters. To be saved by grace is to be saved by Jesus. Are y'all with me? I wish I could tell you I'm, I could do this for you, but I can't. Because I don't like pain. The minute I saw, if I was like Jesus and I'm on the cross and they're getting ready to come down with that hammer on that very first nail, and that nail is right there in my hand, I'll be going, whoa, whoa, time out. <laughs> I'll be coming up with another plan for salvation. Okay, because I know I'm looking big and black with a goatee like I'm really rough, all right? But I, I don't like pain, all right? I go to the dentist, he knocking me out. I don't care. And that's just for a teeth cleaning, all right? So I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with y'all. But here it is. Here it is. I found it. I found out where grace is. I'm going to read it to you, then I'm going to show it to you, okay? Because a lot of times when you read something, people don't see it. But when you show them, then they get it. So let me read it and show it, and then we'll be done. Cool? It's 10.05. We're going to beat the Baptist to the buffet. All right. Turning your Bible to John chapter 8, verses 3 through 11. John chapter 8, verse 3 through 11. Just write it down. You okay? Y'all good. Hey, can I tell you something about grace? Here's what I love about grace. What I love about grace is you don't see it coming. And then all of a sudden it's there. And you either hold it or you let it go. I wonder how many people in this room have had grace in their life, but they let it go. And now you're like going, well, I don't deserve it anymore. I've let it go too many times. And here comes grace one more time, <laughs> hoping that you'll hold on to it this time. Hey, don't let go today. Don't let your past dictate your future today. Hold on to this grace. I'm going to read it, and then we'll go back and explain it. John chapter 8, verse number 3. And I'm reading from uh, the, the, the message. I think this is the message. It says, Teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Moses' law gives us order to stone such a person as this. What do you say? They were trying to trap Jesus into saying something incriminating so that they could bring charges against him. Look at verse 6. Jesus bent down. Everybody say bent down. Another version of the Bible says he stooped down. Everybody say stooped down. So Jesus stooped down and he wrote with his finger in the dirt. They kept at him badgering him he straightened up and said the sinless one among you go first throw the stone bending down again he wrote some more in the dirt hearing that they walked away one after another beginning with the oldest then to the youngest the woman was left alone Jesus stood and spoke to her woman where are they does no one condemn you Verse 11, no one, master, neither do I, Jesus said. Go on your way. From now on, don't sin. There you go. Now let me paint a picture. It's early in the morning. Early in the morning. This young woman is sleeping. And before her face can feel the warmth on the sun, her ears will hear the wrath of the heat of men. She's yanked out of a bed, drug in the street. There's a parade, but there ain't no band. She the band. The circus in town, but there ain't no animals. She the animal. 
no clothes, naked, okay? They take her in to Willoughby Hills Friends Church and throw her in front of Pastor Kevin. And they look and say, the law says, we saw she was caught red-handed. She was caught red-handed. She's a sinner. She's nasty. We should kill her. The law says, kill this woman. And Pastor Kevin just looks at all y'all and he kneels down and he starts writing on the carpet. You know what I love? Let me just start with this, okay? We expect Jesus to step forward, don't we? We expect the King of kings and the Lord of lords to almost levitate and then speak on our behalf. But you know what's crazy? Before Jesus spoke, he bent down. Before he uttered a word, he did something. He stooped. I just want you to know, I love my church because my church will stoop. My church will bend down. My church will go places nobody else was willing to go. Let me explain it. If the church is Jesus and Jesus is a church and the church is grace, then guess what? If Jesus bent down, then we would have to bend down. And if we bend down, we would have to stoop. And if we stoop, we'd be like Jesus. Because you know why? Jesus stooped to wash the feet of a man. Jesus stooped to hold a child. Jesus stooped to rise Peter out of the water when he started to sing. Jesus stooped. When he healed a blind man and he made mud with his hand, Jesus stooped when he knelt down in the garden to pray before the soldiers came and took him. Jesus stooped when he picked up the cross and he carried it to Calvary to die for me and for you. I love my church because my church will stoop for me. Touch your neighbor and say, I love my church. Touch your other neighbor and say, I love my church. Oh, y'all starting to clap. We're going to be here if y'all keep that up, all right? Because the Bible says all I need is two or three with me, and we're going to have church up in here this morning. I'm glad Jesus stooped. I'm glad he stooped. I'm glad he got on his knees and rode in the dirt. I'm glad because guess what? When everybody wanted to see Jesus, they had to look for him then. Let me explain. If you wanted to see Jesus in John, you'd have to look underneath the priest and the people who were condemning this woman. If you wanted to see Jesus in this Bible verse, you would have to look underneath the woman caught in adultery. You would have to look underneath sin. There's where you find Jesus. Because <laughs> if he can't reach that low, if he doesn't bend that low, then he can't save everything. He had to go below the sin, below the pain, below the shame, below the sorrow. So that when he picked up his cross, he could carry it all. Yes. See, I don't know about you. Some of you, when you got saved, you left all that stuff behind. But I got to be honest, from 8 to 21, I was suicidal. I wanted to die. And when Jesus set me free, I never forgot what it was like to want to die. So when I hear about this grace, how Jesus stooped, how he did, he stooped so low that he could pick up my sorrow. I love my church. Because if you've been caught in adultery, you can go to my church. If you're nasty, you can go to my church. Oh, by the way, on Wednesday night I came and I spoke to the youth group. And I said a sinner's prayer. And I told the whole crowd to repeat it after me. Then I said, we're going to have free pizza. While we're eating pizza, if you said this prayer asking Jesus to be your Savior, if you walked into the gym and you know your life was messed up, and tonight you gave your life to Jesus, I want you to come find me, shake my hand, and say, Reggie, I said that prayer. Ninety-three kids found me, shook my hands, and said, 
they say, said that. I just stayed till they all got to do it. They all got to do it. Are you listening to me? Are you listening? I've gotten email after email of kids who are saying, I'm so glad you came back to this. I'm so glad you came back to Youth Explosion. I'm so glad. There was a girl last night. I preached a good sermon last night. I gave kids 30 seconds to choose God. And then they jumped up and I said, who will go? And they screamed, I'll go. And kids put their fists in the air and screamed, I'll go. One girl stood up and she emailed me late last night. And she said, I don't deserve him. I don't deserve him. I've done bad. I've done wrong. My whole family's messed up. But I'm telling you, Red. When you counted from 30 to zero, I didn't care who was going to stand. I knew I was going to stand. And forever, when I pass by Willoughby Hills Friends Church, I will know that was the place that I found hope. That was the place that I found peace. By the way, I love my church. You know why? Because this is the place you can find hope. This is the place you can find peace. I know you joke about the noise and the sound and the power not being on. But if you hadn't, she'd still be lost. I love my church. Because in my church, we sing amazing grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Jesus stooped. I love it. Oh, what a great. I'm going to preach this again. I wrote it for y'all, but I'm telling you, <laughs> this is too good to leave at Willoughby Hills Friends Church. I'm going to have to drop this on somebody else. I'm going to go to a black church just to do it one time. <laughs> Just to see the reaction of the crowd, because I'm telling y'all, it's going to be something else. Oh, by the way, the Bible has a way of going back and reminding you of the beginning. You know it does? For all you scholars in the room, because some of you guys, you know, you, you know the Bible. Some of you are mad because I got this. <laughs> and you're like, how do I, even a blind squirrel can find a nut. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I might not be blind, but I, I like nuts. All right, so here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is for you. This is for you, for you, all you scholars. Did you know that the New Testament will always proclaim the steps that were taken in the Old Testament just to give it levity? Just to let you know that the same God who created Adam and Eve is the same God in John chapter 8? So can I tell you something? When Jesus stooped down and started writing on the dirt, what did that remind you of what God did? In the book of Genesis, the Bible says that Jesus came down and he took dirt and he made a man. He's always been in the creating man business. And even when man messes up, he'll send his only son to stoop down and to remake a woman. I love the end of this. Because the Bible doesn't even show you the end of it. See, the end of this story in John chapter 8, it's even after Jesus looks at the woman and goes, oh, my bad, they're all gone. If they don't condemn you, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. So when she left and when Jesus left, the last scene is just a bunch of rocks and something written in the dirt. With my past, my shame, my hurt, my sorrow, with the things in my life that I wish I'd have never done, places I wish I'd have never gone, all I need is Jesus to stoop down and to start writing for me. But you know what the woman had to do? She had to accept it. She had to accept love, accept 
grace, except a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. For as many rocks as there was, that's another chance for that woman. She accepted those chances. Today, I know and I'm glad that I love my church because we give people a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. And when the service is over and everything's gone, only thing left behind is the words that Jesus has spoken and the sin that we left behind. I love my church. Do you love yours? I love stories. I'm one, that's why I take the Bible and I make it a story. Only you can read this. A woman caught in an adultery, thrown in front of people, and I make it like a parade, and she's the only one in the parade. And you get a vivid picture of a woman with no clothes being drugged through a street into a church. How embarrassing is that? But can I ask you something? Have you ever been embarrassed? Have you ever been called, what, what am I going to do? I love my church. Whosoever will, come. Whosoever needs, come. I love that. On Friday night, I spoke to your young people next door. And on Friday night, I used when Jesus was about to die for the sin of the world. That there was a guy in the cell beside him. His name was Barabbas. Y'all remember that? The Bible says that Barabbas started a riot and he was a murderer. So Barabbas, that brother was nasty. He didn't care. He was arrogant, rude. He even looked probably at the judge and said, go ahead. Tell him I'm going to die. I'll get out tomorrow. But all of a sudden this same dude, all boastful and proud, is in a cell four feet by four feet with a little window the size of a kid's head. And all he could see is a hill called Calvary where he about to die because it had his name on it. He knew that that day at 12 noon they were going to crucify him. And by the sunset, he'd be dead. That's all he had in his future. I told the kids Friday night that he had no one to turn to. He didn't have no treasure chest that he could trade in for his freedom. He didn't have a friend in high places that owed him a favor. He didn't have a lot of land that he could bargain with. All he had was nasty. And oh, by the way, you know what I told your kids Friday? I am Barabbas. And so are you. I deserve to die. And so do you. I deserve to be punished, and so do you. But I'm so glad that my parents loved their church and took me there because that's where I found grace. Grace that can conquer all my fear. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Do you know him today? Did you know this was a church that believed like that? If it wasn't, this wouldn't be the upteen time that I've come and done Winterfest. They showed a video last night when I was here in 1991. <laughs> and what they couldn't find was the video when I was here in 1989 with a guy named Dave Reaver who did the very first youth explosion. And I was at that one. I look a lot better now than I did in 91. If you old school, I had this kid and play haircut, you know what I'm talking about? Flat top, I look good. Shut up, lady, don't be laughing at me. Stop it, duh. I saw that, my wife leaned over and said, why did I marry you? And I'm like, that hurt, that hurt me deep, hurt me deep. All these years have gone by, and guess what? 
I still have grace. And it's greater today than it was in 91. I'm a lot better preacher today than I was in 91. What do you need today? I know is I love my church. But you know what I just did? I just did 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. All I did was preach the gospel with conviction. If you don't know Jesus, give him your life today. If you don't have hope, choose hope today. I love the Bible. The Bible says in Proverbs, taste and see that the Lord is real. That's awesome. That's like Mikey and that cereal back in the day. Mikey, you eat it. He'll eat anything. All of a sudden, he likes it. I want some too, okay? <laughs> Jesus said, try me. You'll like me. Try me. Come on. You'll like me. You'll like me. Just try me. And we do, and we do, and we do, and we keep coming back. Because, see, once you try grace, you'll keep coming back to grace. Why? Because you'll find out that's where you live, and that's where you belong. My time has come and my time has gone with you this morning. Thank you so much for letting me be with you. By the way, there's a speaker in that other gym. He's really good. So if you got time and you really want to hear something, you need to go down and hear my friend Preston. He's good, all right? Y'all getting double teamed this morning. <laughs> Let me explain something, though. Number one, to your pastor, Pastor Kevin, thank you for what you're doing. You're doing a great job. See, when you're like me and you just come and see it and then you leave for a couple of years and come back, I can see the changes that are going on. Good man, great leader. I love somebody who sticks with it. Your youth pastor, Jim Davis, unbelievable. We walk into schools. We're walking into schools where they don't even know where your church is, but they know Jim Davis. Isn't that good? Hello? And some of them, for the first time, found out that he was connected to this church. And they're like, you're a friend's church? Oh, my goodness. I should have known that. You know why? Because Pastor Kevin, he's the church. I love my church. So I love Pastor Kevin. I love my church. I love Pastor Jim. Now, I got to be honest. Those are the only two pastors I ever get to deal with. And that's probably good. They keep me away from the other people. But you have something great in this side of the greater Cleveland area. Don't you think the world should know that there's a building that they can come if they're lost? But what about you? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse number 9. That's my favorite. You ready? Put it down if you never heard. Romans 10, 9. Here it is. If you ever need to refer back to something, Romans 10, 9. If you ever need anything, Romans 10, 9. Because this is what it says. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Oh, I love that. I love, that's it. That's it. The next verse says, for it's with our mouth that we declare, but it's with our heart that we believe. Hey, if you believed in drugs or if you believed in this or if you believed in that and it's let you down, man, what's keeping you from believing in Jesus for once? Because, see, believing in Jesus is believing in grace and believing in grace is believing in my church. And I love my church. So what he said, let's do it together. Let me treat you like young people, okay? I mean, I mean, come on. It only happened like last week this time. I was in Berlin, Germany. 
And I was speaking on Sunday morning in Berlin, Germany. And I was just, I had a translator. He was awesome. He was Asian. He was about that tall. How do you get a little Asian brother who can be, speak German so good? I don't know, all right? But he rocked it. I was like, Jesus loves you. And he's like, I'm like, I was like, you the man, dude. You are the man. It was awesome. And Hitler would have rolled over in his grave. It would have been He'd have been ticked off at everybody. A black guy and a little Asian speaking his language, telling everybody about Jesus. That would have messed up the whole world right there. <laughs> it was great. I got to the end. I gave an altar call. And I look up, and this dude gets up with his, his cane, and he's hunched over. And I'm like, that brother got to go to the bathroom. I didn't say it out loud. But, you know, my translator's going. I'm like, he going to forget you. Brother, when you that old, you got to go. You got to go. All right? He starts walking toward me. And all of a sudden, somebody started clapping. And Germans, Germans, y'all think you quiet? <laughs> Germans, Wow. The guy came up, he's weeping. And the, the guy, my, my little Asian friend, he starts crying. And he goes, I gotta translate this, but I don't think I'm gonna be able to get through it. I said, What's wrong with you? Translate it. He goes, All my life I've done bad things. All my life I've hurt people. All my life I've done wrong. But today I heard about Jesus. And of all people, I'm a Nazi and I'm hearing it from a black man from America. He goes, And I can't say no. I need to know Jesus. He goes, Why did I wait so long? Why did I wait so long? It was cool. It was cool. That's cool. And you know what? Grace looked past all he'd done. Come on, this dude was like old. He was there back in the day. Ain't no telling what he did. And I didn't care. Because if Jesus don't care. I put my arm around him. He held me and cried. And he go, you the nicest black man ever. <laughs> Then he went, you're the only black man I know, okay? <laughs> it was just cool. So here's this. I got to go. I got to go. I think I had till 1030. Oh, yep, the band's coming. All right. That's the sign. You done. All right. Hey, from the front to the back, from the left to the right, let's do this together. Let's do Romans 10.9. And if you need grace today, let his grace step over your past. And meet your need. So everybody in the room, say this prayer with me. Oh, by the way, if you're in this room and you know when you walked in that you're a sinner, that's okay. We all were. But grace changed us. And it could change you. So if you know you need hope, you need grace, you need to give your life to Jesus, say it with all of us because we're in this together. You know why I love my church? Because we all were sinners. And we all have been saved by grace. Saved by Jesus. Y'all ready? Everybody say, Jesus. Jesus. With my mouth, I declare, you, Jesus, are the Son of God. In my heart, help me believe that even though I'm wrong, even though I've gone places and done things I shouldn't, that your grace is more than enough. Thank you for stooping down to me. And thank you for picking me up. I give you my life, Jesus. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for being my grace. 
I love my church because it saved my life today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. It's the greatest prayer you'll ever pray, ever pray in your life. I got to go. Pastor Kevin's going to close, but oh, can we just do one more scripture? In the book of Matthew, it says, if you declare me before man, I'll declare you before my Father in heaven. And it says, if you disown me before man, I'll disown you before my Father in heaven. Hey, let's declare him before man. So with every head up, every eye open, and everybody looking around, usually they say every head bowed, every eye closed, and nobody looking around. But I believe in my church. If you hear and you say, Reggie, I said that prayer. I needed grace today. I've messed up. I needed hope. And by faith, when you count to three, I'm going to raise my hand by faith saying, I said that prayer this morning. I got my life right this morning. I gave God my sin this morning. I'm leaning on grace this morning. Oh, by the way, if you raise your hand, we're going to clap. Because the Bible says when one gets right, all heaven rejoices. So on three, if you say, yeah, you got right today, I don't care what you've done. That's between you and God. His grace is more than enough. But when you proclaim him before man, it's on. I love my church because you can proclaim him before man. On three, today you got right with God. Just raise your hand and wave at us so we can clap for you. One, two, three, go. Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome. 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 He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. God bless you. Pastor, come. God bless you.